Again, thank you to those that uh, provided and prepared breakfast this morning. Uh, breakfast is my favorite meal of the day. It doesn't matter what time we eat it. Brother Ed, I'll, I like bacon anytime. Jessica, Jessica asked me what, what would be good food to have for Father's Day. I said bacon. And I think she was waiting for me to say more, and, and uh, that's just enough for me. I, I didn't have to have anything else. Just bacon be just fine. Uh, but I'm thankful for the fellowship time that we had this morning. As you're turning your, your Bibles this morning there in John chapter 1, uh, and you consider the things that are happening in our land and in our world today, the question I would like for you to consider this morning is, what is one of the biggest things that the world suffers from today? Now, if we took the time uh, to go row by row and pew by pew, I'm sure we'd get a lot of answers uh, to fill uh, that question. But I, I want to... Uh, to cause you this morning to consider the fact that the world is lacking. The world is lacking. Uh, I believe that the world is lacking faith. As a matter of fact, 2,000 years ago, the Lord Jesus Christ said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith in the earth? He knew that was going to be a problem, that the world was going to be lacking faith. I believe not only is the world lacking faith, but I believe also that the world is lacking foundation. I'm a building contractor when I'm not here at the church, and, and when, you, when, you, when you build something, you have to start with a foundation. And one of the problems that we have in our land today is that the world is trying to build without a foundation, or they're building on the wrong foundation. They're building on the sand instead of the solid rock, amen? And in case you're wondering what I'm talking about, I'm talking about a foundation of biblical truth. Lacking faith, it's, it's lacking a foundation. I, I believe that the world is, is lacking fundamental truth uh, that used to be uh, a part of, of not just who we are as people, but who we are as a nation. We, uh, we were built uh, as a nation that was uh, a nation whose God was the Lord, a nation whose forefathers honored the Lord, came to this place so that they could worship Him freely here in this place. Not only are we lacking faith and foundation and fundamental truths, one of the biggest problems that we suffer from today is the world is lacking fathers. The world is lacking fathers. And not just fathers, but I would say also uh, the world is lacking godly fathers. I read a study that said that there are 18 and a half million young people in our country alone that do not have a father. As a matter of fact, of single uh, households where there was just one parent in the home, 80% of those households, the one parent is a woman and not a man. By the way, neither one of those are good. The God's plan was for there to be a mother and a father, a husband and a wife, uh, uh, male and female created together in one union for one lifetime. Amen? Uh, and so 25% of all youth that are in our nation right now do not have a father in their life. The world is lacking fathers. And I wonder, as we're considering this today, has God done anything about this? Well, let's look together. I'm glad you asked. Will you stand with me, please? We're going to read from the Gospel of John just one verse this morning. Verse number six. There was a man sent 
from God. Father, again, we bless your holy name and just ask you that you would guide us this morning, Lord, as we look at your word together. And uh, Father, that you'd move in our hearts. We thank you, Lord, that we don't have to wonder. We don't have to guess. We don't have to question what a good father is like because you are a good father and you have shown us, Lord. We ask you to bless us now in Jesus' name. And amen. And amen. The first thing that, that I see in this verse is the Bible says that there was a man. There was a man. And man, I want you to know that God has a special plan and a special purpose for your life. God has ordained uh, a special plan and a special purpose for men. And, and, and as I begin to think about that, uh, in Genesis chapter 1 and uh, verse 26, the Bible says that God said, let us make man in our image uh, and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing. It was God's plan uh, that he would make man uh, and, and that man was to have dominion over the earth. I hear hogwash in different places. I can't remember what we were watching the other day. I think it was some movie. And, and, and they said that uh, it, it was, I, I'd call it one of those tree, tree hugger types. And they said in this movie that, um, that man is no different and has no more right than any other creature on the earth. That's baloney. That is baloney. God created man, and he created the heavens and the earth and everything that is in it, and then God told the man to have dominion over everything else that he created. God created man for a special uh, plan and for a special purpose. And you begin to think it was man that God created to have dominion. It was man that God put in the garden and walked with him in the cool of the day to have a relationship with him. It was man that God chose uh, to build an ark to the saving of his family. It was a man that God would send to deliver his people when they were in bondage. It was a man that God would choose to be his own friend. I'm speaking of Abraham. It was, it was man that God called to be prophets and priests and preachers. It was men that God inspired, used through his Holy Spirit to write the Bible. It was man that God chose to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was man that God appeared to the first time, and you can bet it's going to be man that he will appear the second time without sin on the salvation. Amen. God has chosen man for a special place and a special purpose. And as a man, by the way, God chose to reveal himself to all mankind, pulled on a robe of flesh and came down here to show us who he is. God has a special plan for men and, and, and men today, fathers that, that are here today, I'm not just talking to fathers, I'm talking to men in general. I want you to know that God has a special plan for you. Every one of us were created in his image and every one of us are called to his purpose. Amen. E.M. Bounds, who was a, uh, a prayer warrior from, from long ago, uh, he said, We are constantly on a stretch, if not on a strain, to devise new methods, new plans, new organizations to advance the church. In other words, he was saying that we're always looking for a new way uh, to build up the church. And he said... Uh, to secure enlargement and efficiency for the gospel, this trend of the day has a tendency to lose sight of the man 
or sink the man in the plan of organization. In other words, there's, there's some other way, there's some other method that we can use to advance the gospel. Uh, but God's plan is to make much of the man. For more of him, uh, far more of him than anything else, men are God's method. Men are God's method. The church is looking for better methods. God is looking for better men. Amen? God is looking uh, for better men. And the Bible says that there was a man that was sent from God. Well, what was that man? Where was he sent from? Where was he sent to? And what was he sent for? There was a little girl that was walking with her dad one day, and she looked at her dad, and she said, Daddy, she said, you're the boss in our house, right? And he kind of puffed up the shoulders a little bit, and he says, well, yes, princess, I'm the boss. And she said, yeah, because mommy said so. <laughs> mommy has appointed you the boss. But you know what? That's, we laugh about that, but God has uh, appointed man to a special place and not to lord uh, over people, but we have a special calling that God has given each and every one of us. And because we are men that are sent from God, then he has a plan for us, and that plan includes the fact that we are sent. I think a lot of fathers get the fact that they're sent to provide and protect, right? We know that we're supposed to provide for our families. We know that we're supposed to protect our families. There are few good fathers that wouldn't lay down their lives for their children, amen, and for their wives. But man, I got news for you. There's a lot more to our lives than just providing and protecting. And, and, and when it comes to providing, what is it that we are called to provide? A lot more than food and uh, shelter and all those things. The Bible says, uh, first of all, uh, if you look with me in Mark chapter 1, I've got a, just a few things I want to share there. That, uh, And I'd like to liken it this morning, the fact that we are sent to sort of like a bullet. You know, a bullet is sent through a, a straight guide, which we call a barrel. And, uh, and then it's sent to a specific target. And God has given us a straight uh, guide to, to straighten us out and to make sure that we go straight. He has given us the Bible. He's given us his holy word. And that target that we have is Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the goal. That's the aim. That's the target that we are shoot, shooting for. Uh, but not only are we sent to protect and to provide, but we're sent to prepare the way. Look in Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 2, it says, It is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. You know, this past particular passage is speaking of John the Baptist, that he was a man that was sent from God, and his job was to prepare the way of the Lord so that when the Lord came, uh, his paths were straight, and he was able to do the work that he was called to do. But fathers, can I tell you here this morning that you're sent to prepare the way of the Lord also? Uh, that you're sent to prepare the way of the Lord in the, in the lives of your children, the lives of your family, uh, your spouse. I'll never forget my brother as a young man before I was even walking with the Lord, reminding me uh, that when I had gotten married and we had had our daughter, Ella, uh, that it was a lot more than just about me now. I'm a, I was a father and a husband. I have a responsibility to lead my family to the Lord. It was my responsibility to take my family to church. It was my responsibility to tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. It was my responsibility to lead my family and to do the work that God has called me to do in my life. 
Fathers, are you doing that work in your family? Are your children becoming closer to the Lord Jesus Christ because you're their father? Are you modeling uh, what, what, the, what the father is like in the lives of your children? We are sent to prepare the way, and there's many ways that we do that. One way is by investing. We have to invest in their lives. We have to spend time with our children. There are lots of ways that, that we can invest in our lives. I'll tell you what they want more than any what they want more than your money and your gifts and, and, and whatever it is you might leave behind, what they want is your time. You've heard me say it often. If you want them to think you love them, tell them so. If you want them to know, be there. Be there. You have to invest in their lives. Not only do you have to invest, but you also have to instruct. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 6 that, that we are called to teach our children when they rise up and when they lie down, when they're coming in and when they're going out. Uh, all the day long, each and every moment that we have in our lives is a teachable moment that we can use to instruct our children. And can I remind you of something today that if you don't teach your children, somebody else will. They will learn it on TikTok, they'll learn it on Facebook, they'll learn it on Snapchat, they'll learn it on things we've never even heard of. I don't even know what most of those things do, really, but I know it's, most of it's not good. And if you are not taking responsibility, your children are going to learn things at school, they're going to learn things from their friends, they're going to learn things from the media, and if you don't give them a solid foundation of truth when the time comes, they will fall. You have to invest, you have to instruct I would also uh, say that you need to invite. You need to invite them to be involved. Not only do you need to invest by being involved in their life, you need to invite them to be involved in your life. I remember a few years ago, we come to the realization that some of our kids were uh, maybe going to be leaving our house sometime soon. And I don't know if this has hit any of the other parents that have kids our age, but you kind of hit panic mode for a minute. You're like, well, wait a minute. Do they know how to do this? Do they know how to do that? You, you want, we want to make sure that they're prepared. So what do you do? You invite them to get involved with the activities that, that you're in. Uh, I can tell you as a, as a young person that one of the places I love my parents, and I, I do my best to honor my parents, one of the places my parents failed, never talked about money. Never. It was like this taboo thing that we just didn't talk about in our house. Well, guess what? When I got out on my own, I knew nothing about money because no one ever taught me about money. You need to invite them to be involved. They need to learn how to do some things, which also means, by the way, that part of being a parent is to encourage and, when needed, enforce your kids to do things that they don't want to do. Because if they, they wouldn't, when they were little, they wouldn't take a bath if you didn't make them. I see some mom shaking her head and grinning. Uh, they wouldn't eat their vegetables. They wouldn't go to school. They wouldn't go to church. They wouldn't do their homework. They wouldn't do their chores. They wouldn't do anything if you didn't make them do them. But that's part of being a parent. You know what we need today? We don't need friends. We need parents. We need fathers and mothers that will be parents to their children. And I'd like to invite somebody today to tell me at what age you stop being a parent. No. This parenting thing goes on for a lifetime, doesn't it? And uh, so you have to, uh, to invest and you have to instruct and you have to be involved. And I'd also say that sometimes you have to endure. You're going to go through some difficult circumstances. You're going to go through some challenging things. 
I look back on my own life now and I think, oh, what I must have put my parents through when I was young. I don't really have to guess. I know a lot of what I put them through. Uh, but I'm so glad that my parents endured. And I'm so glad that they kept uh, trying to encourage me and, and, um, and do what was right for me, even when it was a difficult thing to do. Not only are we sent to prepare the way, but we're sent to preach the word. Verse 4 says, John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. You're, I don't care uh, if you are, um, what your vocation is. I don't care what position you may or may not hold in the church. Your kids ought to hear more sermons from you than they do from anybody else. I'm serious. They ought to hear more about the Lord from you than anyone else. Why? Because they're with you more than anyone else. And they ought to know that you believe the word of the Lord. They ought to know that you know the Bible. And not only that you know the Bible, but that you follow the Bible. That it's important to you. We were, we were in a place yesterday, and somebody said something about the Bible that was way off track. And I sat there for a few minutes, and I just kind of kept my mouth shut for a minute. And I thought, if I keep my mouth shut, these rocks are going to cry out. I can't not say anything about what this person just said because what they just said is wrong and misleading. And so I had to, I had to bring it up and, and address it and say something about that. Your kids need to hear things like that. Do you know that? Your kids need to know the truth. And they need to know that you know the truth. They need to know that your faith is real and that it's important to you. That church is not just something you do on Sunday morning and then you live whatever way the rest of the week. Amen? You need to preach the gospel to your kids constantly and use words when necessary by the way that you live. We're sent to prepare the way. We're sent to preach the word. It says in the gospel of John in chapter number one, uh, we read verse six already that said there was a man sent from God and his name was John. But verse seven says that the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That's what we're called to do. We're sent to be a witness of that light. We're not that man, but we're bearing witness of that man. Amen? That's what we're called to do. But also we are sent to produce disciples. Mark 1, 5, and there went out unto him... Uh, speaking of John the Baptist, all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. John was actively engaged in making disciples. Do you know disciples have to be made? Uh, Matthew chapter 28 says, to go ye therefore into all nations, teaching them and baptizing them and then teaching them to observe all things that I've whatsoever I've commanded you there is an effort an activity that has to be involved in making disciples and uh, that is our responsibility to do that and men we cannot be asleep in this department we cannot be asleep in this department we have to be leading our families and making disciples but after we're sent to produce disciples and we are also sent to point them to Christ Verses 7 and 8, and he preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I have indeed baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. 
John didn't take any credit for anything. He was pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. You read the, the end of the third chapter of the Gospel of John, and uh, John tells them, did I not tell you that I'm not he? Uh, I'm not the bride, but I'm the, bride, I'm the friend of the bridegroom. Do you know, uh, men and fathers, that your children need to know that you are not God? And they need to know who is God. Amen? And I love my family. I love my children dearly. And I hope that I have a wonderful relationship with my children all the days of our lives. But if I get to choose who they're closest to, I'd rather have them closer to him than closer to me. Because we'll have all eternity. Uh, if, if they're close to him, if, if they've given their lives to Jesus Christ and they're following him and they're walking in his truth, then we'll have all eternity uh, to spend time together and to be reconciled and do all those things. Their relationship with him is more important to me than their relationship with me. But you know what I've decided, dear friends? I've decided that I'm not going to leave these things to chance. I'm not going to sit on the sidelines and hope that my children know who the Lord is. I'm not going to sit by and, and hope that they, that they stumble into the Lord and that they find Him. And, and I'm going to do everything that I can do. I'm going to do everything that I'm called to do to try to make sure that my children know who Christ is. I want them to love Him with all of their hearts and souls and mind. I want them to know Him as their Lord and their Savior. I want them to live for Him. I've been praying for years for this, the future spouses of my children whom I don't even know who they are yet. But I've been praying for them that they're godly people. I've been praying for them that they would raise godly children, that they would serve in a, in a local church. And you know what? It might not be my church. It might be somewhere else. God might call my children. Matter of fact, the likelihood is He may call them somewhere else. But wherever it is, my prayer is they'd be in a good Bible-believing, preaching church and they would walk with the Lord and they would raise their family in the Lord also. Amen? Amen. That ought to be the greatest desire that you have. And if it's your greatest desire, dear friend, then it ought to be the area in your life that you put the most attention. What are you doing to guide your children? If your children walk the path that you walk what's their relationship going to be like with the Lord will they take the Lord serious do they not only hear his word do they, do they obey it do they read his word do they pray do they have a real vibrant relationship with the Lord inheritances are biblical did you know that we're supposed to leave an inheritance for our children This is worth more than anything in this world. This is what you ought to leave your children. If you can leave a financial inheritance also, hey, that's great. But I'd rather have this than anything else. Amen? There was a man. We know that he was sent. The Bible says that he was sent from God. It's important to know where you come from, and it's important to know where you're going. I heard Albert Einstein was on a, a train one day, and he was uh, headed to a destination, and the, uh, the clerk come by to punch the tickets, and, and 
Einstein went to look for his ticket, and he couldn't find it anywhere, and he's searching all over the place, and uh, the man was gracious, and he recognized who he was. He goes, it's, it's okay, uh, Mr. Einstein. I, I, I know who you are. And, um, and he kept searching. He walked by again a few minutes later. He's still searching for this ticket, and, and he said, Mr. Einstein, it's okay. I, I, know, I know who you are. You, you don't have to. He says, well, that's not the problem. I know who I am, too. I just don't know where I'm going. It's important to know where you're from, and it's important to know where you're going. Amen? John was a man that was sent from God. And if you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, then you have been sent from God also for his plan and for his purpose. And what, how, how's the prayer go that Jesus offered? Our Father, who what? Who art in heaven. Our Father, we have a Father who is in heaven. We, uh, I look sometimes at the stickers on the bank. What's it say? FDIC, what's that mean? It's backed by the full faith and trust of the United States government, which, by the way, I don't have much faith and trust in right now. But if we have a relationship with God the Father, then what He has promised us is backed by the full faith and trust of Almighty God. And that, dear friends, you can take to the bank. Amen. He is behind us. He is supporting us. He is doing all of these things for us. And he wants to see us fulfill the purpose that he has for us. And, and men, I want you to know that God has, has saved us and he has sent us, uh, set us apart. And he has sent us to accomplish this work. Has God done anything about the problem? What was the problem? Lack of fathers. Has God done anything about that? Yes. He sent you. He sent you to be a godly man. He sent you to be a godly father. He sent you to fulfill that role in your life. Amen? And I'm telling you that your children need it. Uh, your family needs it. Your spouse needs it. And our church needs it. And this country desperately needs godly men that will stand up and fill their God-given right in this world. Amen? Amen? But friends, you have to make the choice. We watched here Sunday night. We had movie night at the church. And we thought it fitting because it was uh, close to Father's Day that we would watch Courageous together. Has everybody here seen Courageous? Does that, that movie sound familiar to most everybody? Wonderful movie. Most of the stuff that's on television today is garbage that you shouldn't give your time to watching. I'll just tell you the truth on that. This is something that you can watch and it's good for you and your family. I thought, boy, instead of preaching a sermon Sunday morning, if, if I could just get their attention for two hours, they said, why not? You usually have it for an hour and 45. It's a great message that's in that movie. Godly men that have made a resolution to be a godly man in their home. Men that would say, uh, as Joshua did, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Listen to me. Nobody in my house has to ask what we're going to do in our home. My family knows that we're going to serve the Lord. We don't wake up on Sunday morning and gather around the table and decide if we're going to church or not. We don't do it any other service night either. We don't do that on Sunday evening. We don't do it on Wednesday. When the doors are open, we're going to be here. We're going to serve the Lord. 
When somebody's in need, we're going to go help them. Uh, when, when people uh, need witness to, uh, whatever it is, we, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. We're not going to engage in the things that the world engages to. Why? Because my Bible tells me not to. We're not going to be involved in, uh, in many of the things that are happening in this world. We are going to serve the Lord. And my children don't have to look for a father. I am going to be their father. My wife does not have to look for a husband. I am going to be her husband. And that doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect. Thought, uh, I thought, yeah, there it is. <laughs> it's a little bit slow this morning. Usually she's a little quicker on that. Listen. I know that you love your families. What I'm trying to tell you is that if you love them, then this is what you ought to be doing. Your family should be looking to you for biblical advice and biblical counseling, biblical truth. Your family should be looking to you as the man, as the father, as the husband of the household and learning what it means to walk with Christ. Amen? I've got here this morning is because I'd like to challenge you to carry this in your pocket every day as a reminder that you are sent from God. Just as a bullet is sent through the, bear, through the barrel and is aimed at a target, God has sent you here to this place. He's given you the Bible. He's given you His Word and His Holy Spirit to keep you straight. And He has aimed you at a target which is godliness and holiness and to serve your family. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I need to be reminded of those things. Sometimes I make a mistake. Sometimes I get angry. Sometimes I do things that I shouldn't do. And if there's something that I can carry with me that will encourage me and remind me what my responsibility is, then I'll take all the help I can get. Amen? Man, I want to challenge you to carry those with you and to remember each and every day what your responsibility is before the Lord. And in closing today, maybe for, the, for those that are here, you might be wondering, what does my father really want for Father's Day? Anybody here ask that question? Especially as you get older and you've, you've bought your, your dad like 40 multi-tools and you know, screwdrivers and coffee cups and all those things that we often do on Father's Day. How do you get the man who has, already has everything, right? He's already got every tool known to man hanging on the walls. What do I get my dad? As I thought about that myself this morning, I thought, you know what a father really wants? Is he doesn't want to have to ask. 
He doesn't want to have to ask you to do your chores for those that are young. I see some grins here. He doesn't want to have to ask you to spend time with him. He doesn't want to have to ask you to do a number of things. But I realize here this morning, I heard somebody say this week, as a father, I'm allowed to want what's best for my children. As a father, I'm allowed to want what's best for my children. But the truth is, that doesn't mean that that's what my children really want for themselves. Why? Because they get a choice. We get to choose. And just as earthly parents, we want what's best for our children, and we hope they will because we want what's best for them, right? I want you to think about Almighty God, who wants what's best for each and every one of us. And not only, dear friend, does He want what's best, but He's given. The Bible says in the Book of Romans, chapter number eight, that He did not spare His absolute best for us. He that freely gave us all things. Could I just encourage you today to choose him? To choose to spend. He doesn't want to have to ask you. This is why he doesn't make you. People say, why did God just make us so that we couldn't sin? Because he gave you a whip and you have a choice to make. He wants you to choose him. He wants you to choose what's best. Matter of fact, he's gone earth to make sure that you can have what's best but you have to choose it